0: I'm here in a radio room at Daytona International Speedway, where practice for the Coke Zero 0400 is about to take place later today, followed by the race on Saturday night. Um, but first, we have a social spotlight with Jackson Martin, who is the social media and digital marketing manager for Roush Fenway Racing. So if you've seen all the stuff that Roush puts out, whether it's uh, the GIFs or the interaction with other drivers and people like that, even teams on Twitter, um, all sorts of outlets. Jackson is the man pretty much behind that. So definitely a lot that goes into being a social media manager um, for a race team, probably a lot more than we realize uh, going on behind the scenes there. So I was able to ask Jackson all about that and more in this week's Social Spotlight. All right, everybody. So I'm here at Sonoma Raceway. I'm with Jackson Martin, who is the man behind the Roush Fenway social media accounts. Um, I don't know, is is it just you or is there a team of people that you are a part of or, or how does it work? We've we've got a couple different people who touch the accounts. Uh, it's primarily
1: me, but also um, my boss, Kevin Woods, who's the vice president of communications at Roush Fenway. Uh, he'll do a lot of on-track stuff too. We've gotten a lot better this year about sort of trading off weekends so you can get a little time at home, a little time away, and then we also have a uh, another woman, Amanda Ifah, who who pitches in sometimes too. So I'd say it's mostly me, but there's a lot of other voices touching the accounts
0: too. So uh, you tell, totally tell me if this is wrong, but for some reason, I picture the Roush account as like you guys um, coming up with really fun stuff together, like bouncing stuff off each other and then sharing it out like I just picture it as sort of this fun collaborative effort because this, the stuff you come up with is very unique very creative and I imagine that like clearly some thought goes into it
1: for the most part yeah uh, sometimes it's a little off the cuff and we can get ourselves into trouble when we do that but yeah I, I think um, as a whole the marketing arm of Roush Fenway has done this really cool thing the last couple of years where particularly when performance was not great, not where we want it to be. Uh, the marketing team basically took the concept of we want to also be the marketing agency for our sponsors. So most of the time you come in, you pay however mu- much you do to, you know, be the paint scheme for your weeks. And that's sort of what you get. You can make out of it what you will. You can pay someone else to do that. But they said, no, we need to offer something else to our sponsors. So we really try and be that marketing team for you. And, and that's already including what you're paying us and, and we try and make the most out of the sponsorship. So it's not just on you, you know, we look at what your goals are, but also we try and help you in, in how we know with the best practices. And so sort of born out of that, we do do a couple of things a lot like a marketing agency might be. And a lot of that involves us sitting around in a room together, kicking around ideas, uh, we draw up a whiteboard for every single week uh, just ideas, things that we can do, things that we can have fun with, wins that we have, because outside of, I think, two, we have wins at every single track on the NASCAR circuit and Xfinity and Cup. So really it is. It's such a collaborative effort between not just us, but also the communication managers, uh, the PR people who are doing stuff for each individual team. Uh, and in doing that, I think that's how we get the most creativity out of this, just sitting around kicking, kicking ideas back and forth.
0: So it seems like your general philosophy is to have fun with the accounts. Um, what what message are you trying to convey in general, and how do you balance that with, you know, the competitive side of racing?
1: You know, I think that's interesting. They, um, they hired me as someone who really had no experience in NASCAR. Uh, and, and Kevin Woods has told me that part of that was getting some fresh eyes on the sport uh, and I I definitely brought that. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, And so it just became like, let's have fun. Let's give people a reason to follow us. Even if you're not necessarily a fan of Roush Fenway, we want you to enjoy what we're doing. Uh, And some of that got born out of what I did when I was at Vanderbilt University. Uh, I was a sports editor for the Vanderbilt Hustler newspaper. Our football team was awful. I mean, just so bad. They were two and 10 my freshman year. And uh, the they made the mistake of giving me the Twitter account. And so we just go and have fun at games, you know. Maybe we were losing to Alabama by 40 points, but I was gonna tell you what the band was playing, what the music was in the stadium. We are gonna have some fun with what was going on. And I think that sort of fed into my philosophy here, which is that, you know, it, if you're following us, you're probably, you know, following Jeff Gluck, you're following Jim Utter, you're following the other media accounts you have a pretty good general idea of what's going on in the race, even if you're just keeping up with Twitter. So we need to be different. We need to give people a reason to follow us, a reason to enjoy what we're doing. And, uh, fortunately, the, uh, the leadership at Roush Fenway bought into that. Uh, and they, they give us a lot of creative freedom. Uh, and hopefully I don't abuse it too much, but it's worked out great so far.
0: How do you know where the line is and do you ever get up to or cross the line? And, and have to backtrack a little bit.
1: I like to think I have a lot of common sense. So we we haven't pushed over the line very often, though there is one specific incident that I remember where I got in trouble with NASCAR corporate. Uh, two years ago in Michigan in August, or July or August, whichever one it was, uh, they were running the high drag rules package test. And so they had to like seal off the windows in the car in order to get the best aerodynamic advantage. And everyone was talking about this the whole weekend and it was just blazingly hot out there. It was like 95 and NBC was running like a thermostat in someone's cockpit that showed that it was like 165 degrees in the, in the cockpit of the car. And I was actually at home that week and I was doing it from my couch and I thought that was funny. So I found a picture of the like FDA safe cooking temperatures chart (laughs) and you know, a like chicken needs to be cooked to 155 degrees internally, and tweeted that out and said, "You know, by some measures, our drivers are safe to eat right now." <laughs> and NASCAR got really upset about that, and they wanted us to take it down. And, and uh, Kevin Woods was at the track and he said, "Hey, you know, we won't do it again, but I, you know, it's got a lot of retweets. Can we just like leave it up so it can, you know, show up on our social report? And like, okay, fine, but no more. Like, wow.
0: don't talk about the heat anymore. That's great. That's a great story. So, speaking of fun, one thing, especially about your Twitter account, is you guys have very creative um, avatars or logos. Um, I'm not sure what the exact term is, but I guess avatars. Let's go with that. Um, and you're always coming up with the the Jack Roush silhouette and doing something different with him. How do those get started? Is, is there, like, a brainstorming process? Do you just give it to an artist? Or who, who, who does that stuff? Uh,
1: so... The, the Jack social logo that I think people have come to, to recognize was actually made by the guy who had my job before me, Yasin Adin. Uh, he's at the University of Michigan now. But he, he was a great guy, he really, I think, set the table for me in so many ways. But it was just sort of it was a fun logo. And, and I think unlike a lot of corporate logos, you don't take it too seriously because like I said, the, the social media guy made it, you know. Um, and I think the first one we ever did with that was when we were going to Texas just sort of nice, you know, Hey, the, the Texas silhouettes really recognizable. Let's stick the jackhead in it and, you know, just try something new. Um, and we did it and it just got this huge, cool response. So then I think the next week was, you know, theme, or actually we didn't do it for a couple of weeks and then we went to Talladega and, uh, Kevin Woods, my boss is from Oxford, Alabama. So he made one with the Alabama outline and, um, just sort of took off from there and then it became an every week thing. And, uh, so it's either me or Kevin just playing around on Photoshop, finding something fun to do with it. Like, and it's fun with like weekends like this that are like a split weekend. So we've got, you know, an an ear of corn with the Jack logo for Iowa. And then we've got the Sonoma road course outline. So you can do fun stuff. You can do, you know, state outlines, state flags, The Arizona flag looks great with the Jack logo in it. Um, or you can do something recognizable like when we go to new hampshire we got the lobster that we can stick it in and it's just sort of more of a you know what else can we do creative to to connect with these markets that we go to because you know we go to 30 different places a year or, or however many different tracks it is let's try and do something unique for all of them you know we're we're here we're here all weekend, i got my computer open it's yeah. fun way to fun way to uh, kill some time sometimes figuring out what you can stick that logo in
0: any idea what Jack thinks of the logo, or does is, has he ever commented on it to you guys? I so
1: normally all all of our like track side apparel has the you know the normal Roush Fenway logo on it, but uh, I've started getting some stuff ordered with the the social logo. I think yeah, I'm wearing a vest right now with it, and Jack started laughing the first time he saw it. I was like ah, that's pretty good. Wow. <laughs> so I, I think he likes it. I don't know that he's seen all of the different variations of it, but. He definitely likes the the original logo.
0: So you um, referred to Photoshop, and and it seems like you guys do a ton of stuff, whether it's um, gifs, Photoshop. Um, you have you I have to have you say gifs the right way. I've learned, I've learned, I've learned how to say gifs the right way. Yeah. Um, but so what what is in your arsenal of tools as like the social guy? What if somebody wanted to get started on it? What things would they need to learn um, to be in a position like yours? You know, I think that every team handles
1: that a different way. And I think that every person who's in charge of these accounts handles it a different way. For me, I have always just liked to do as much stuff as I can possibly learn. Like when I was in high school, I worked on the newspaper, I did a radio show, I did a TV show. I just wanted to do everything. I wanted to learn how to do everything. I kept doing that in college. And and even here, it's just, you know, do we need graphics? Sure, I'll Photoshop it. Do I not know how to do the specific thing? I'll look it up. I, and so you do like Adobe Premiere for video editing, you know, different stuff. I think that the best skill set you can have in this role because it changes so much is just a willingness to learn because all of this stuff, you know, there's a million different tutorials online. You can figure out how to do anything you want to do if you're willing to put in a little bit of work and a little bit of focus into it. So I think that's the best thing you can have. It's just be willing to learn, be willing to be flexible, uh, be ready for some people who may maybe don't know how to do what you're doing to want changes to it. Don't take offense to
0: that. Just, you know, learn how to be able to do all of that stuff. So we've focused a lot on Twitter, but you guys are active, I think, on a variety of platforms, if not all the platforms that I can think of. So how do you balance your time, your priorities, and figuring out what matters the most and where you need to pay attention to?
1: So... Like you said, every different
0: platform is
1: so different. You have to treat them all differently. You can't just go in with the same approach of just, okay, I'm going to post the same thing on Facebook as on Twitter, as on Instagram, but maybe I have to shorten the caption for Twitter. You, you just can't do that. Um, we derive a lot of the value that we give to sponsors. Uh, we, we actually have a social agency, Wasserman Media Group, works with a ton of professional athletes, professional teams. They sort through all of our social and actually give us a valuation on what we give back to the sponsors in terms of our posts, you know, and that's ends up being a couple million dollars a year for a lot of them. I really, this stuff is valuable to them. A lot of that value comes from Facebook. And so for us, Facebook is a much more rigid process than the other ones. Uh, Like I said earlier, we do, we do a whiteboard every week. A lot of that's lining up what's going to go what day on Facebook. So it's, you know, like this week, we've got a bunch of Iowa and Sonoma wins. So it's okay. What day is going to be the best to post that video of uh, Ricky Stenhouse when he wins at Iowa and Carl Edwards crashes into the back of him? Because we know that's our big video this week. That's one that people love to see because it was this crazy finish. So that one might be a Thursday night, you know, for a throwback Thursday or something like that. So you, you sort of flex it in within that. But we're trying to post two to four two to five times a day on facebook but we have a lot of content and trying to shoehorn in when everything fits where that's a that takes up a lot of you know brain space a lot of planning just to get that right so we sort of follow the same type of structure on twitter of you know we have you have your throwback thursday winning wednesday fast but you know when you get to the track a lot of your time is going to get eaten up by being at the track and that stuff Um, But you get to be a little more flexible. A lot of times I'll think of a fun idea, Photoshop it or clip it out on Adobe Premiere, and it'll just sort of go up whenever I get it done, you know, or, or you can test something. you can also post stuff multiple times on Twitter. Um, But so you get to have a lot more flexibility there. And I think that's why we have so much fun with it, because, you know, you can throw something out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't hurt you. Whereas on Facebook, if you have a bad post that hurts where you fit in in the algorithm for the you know, next couple of days. So you really have to have a really high quality filter on Facebook and Instagram.
0: Can you really tell, like, when you look at your numbers, like, oh, you know, we had a, a, a bad post and that really hurt us. Like, can you see it in the numbers?
1: Absolutely. And I think you can tell too, when you don't mix up your content enough, this is sort of more of an anecdotal thing than an actual, but you can tell if you post like six videos in a row, you sort of start to have diminishing returns. And some of that's that people aren't as interested, but some of it's also that you posted six videos in a row. So finding a way to mix that up, have a good mix of content of photos, videos, web links, you know, entertaining stuff, serious stuff. I think that helps you a lot on Facebook to be able to diversify what it is that you're doing.
0: Now, Jackson, you have a lot of fun with the the replies, and I can tell that you take some joy in the interaction you have with other accounts. Um, Is there any, you know, limit like, uh, you know, make sure you don't reply to this driver. He's not on our team or or another team, or are you pretty much like you have, you know, free reign to interact with anybody in the sport? I have pretty free reign. Um, I sort of know what my limits are. Like
1: I know that uh, Hendrick takes their account very seriously. It's very straightforward, very professional. They are not going to reply to us. They can't. It's, it, and, and I do, I respect that, that that's what their style guide is. That's, you know, we're very straightforward. We're very, you know, AP style in all of our copy. And I think there's a lot of value to that. That's obviously not how we handle our account. But so you know a little bit the drivers that are willing to have a little more fun, the other accounts that have a little more fun. Uh, I miss Jeff O'Keefe. He used to run the RCR account. He's now with Toyota Racing. Uh, We used to have a lot of fun with him, Uh, especially, you know, two years ago when both our teams were really struggling and we'd get into a trash talk war over a 15th place pass. Like we would have so much fun with stuff like that. You can get into it with JGR. You know, Boris has a lot of fun. Um, and then sometimes it, I tend to be a little bit more conservative with drivers, especially, but then sometimes one of them comes along and, you know, like jumps into our mentions with something fun. I think my favorite example of that was uh, Landon Castle. We were, we would do like mid-race giveaways. So it was like, you know, retweet to win this Greg Biffle hat. Well, Landon had like wrecked on like lap five or six, or he was out of the race for some reason, but it was a race that he had started and then he retweeted it. So you know we we started the goofy like congratulations landon castle you won the greg biffle hat and then he turned there and said okay if anyone can prove that they're both a greg biffle and a landon castle fan i'll donate my hat to you so you have some fun and and we've done a lot with landon uh landon's a really good sport about some of the stuff that we've done and it's great because he's you know he's another ford driver he's with front row who we've had that alliance with so you feel a little more comfortable making those jokes with them because you know, he, he's on the team really. Uh, but there are other guys who will have a lot of fun too, particularly some of the lower series guys, I think who, who might not have had their uh, professional media training just yet. They're willing to have a lot of fun with us. Yeah. I like those people.
0: <laughs> um, so let's talk about how you got into it. Um, you mentioned you were at, at Vanderbilt and, um, you didn't have a background in the sport. Um, you know, uh, we've we've talked a lot about, you know, people are always asking about how they get into the sport. How did you get into it? What is your story? I applied for this job on LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. Yes. Talk about social networks.
1: <laughs> I, was, uh, I was about a year out of school. I was still living in Nashville. I was working for a small digital marketing company in Nashville. And it just started to, you know, I wanted to do something else. <laughs> I'd actually, I'd gone to school to be a sports writer. Um, I had a sports writing scholarship at Vanderbilt and, uh, I went to skip that step where it paid $15,000 a year to cover high school football and, uh, obviously never figured out how to do that. But so I was working for a marketing company and just started firing, firing off different applications places. I did crack me up actually. Uh, the day that I applied to the Roush job, I had also applied to another job at WWE and i came back and told uh my roommate and his girlfriend that and my roommate's girlfriend just she's from new jersey so i want to clarify that first she looks at me goes i thought you wanted to work in real sports it's like oh christina uh but yeah i i applied this job on linkedin heard back a month later did a um did a phone interview on the thursday of the phoenix race week then got asked to come in for an interview drove down to atlanta where where i'm from where my parents live Then drove up to charlotte that next tuesday interviewed then uh the thursday after that got offered the job and i started for spring bristol two years ago so within within about a month went from applying to uh being the new social guy at roush and it, it was incredible i was so fortunate um it's not necessarily a strategy i would recommend to everyone does it doesn't always pan out, but man, I, I got super lucky. I, I have the best job in the world. It's so much fun.
0: And so, you know, what, what else would you tell people about your job that, you know, because everybody sees the end result of your job, right? But you don't really get to see everything that goes into it. And I'm sure people feel like, you're, you know, it's something they can do, you know, just do on the fly. But like you mentioned, there's a whiteboard with planning. You know, what else is is something that people don't really understand about all that goes into um, the social media world from, from a team perspective? Right.
1: And that's something that my boss laughed about, too. When they when I applied for that job on LinkedIn, they probably got two or 300 other applications. And a lot of it was people, yeah, I got a Facebook account. You know, I know what to do. And you do get a lot of that, too, with I think people don't realize that it, it is a job. There's a ton of planning that goes into it. You can't just show up and just, you know. Oh, what are we going to do today? Same thing we do every night, Pinky, try and take over the world. Um, with witty tweets. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, um, you know, I, you don't just show up at the track. You work in the office, you know, five days a week too, eight to five. Um, and there's time planning that goes in, but there's also you're talking with sponsors. You're talking with the drivers. You're you're trying to balance the interests of everyone who's, you know, putting their time, effort, their money into this team into this program and i I would say a lot of you know working with sponsors not just to accommodate what they think they want but to also help them see you know how can we best deliver these results to you it's not just i i think because so many people have their own personal social media accounts that's what they think about oh yeah i could post four times a day that's not a problem well social media is also rooted in traditional marketing strategy and i think you really do have to have a grasp of what the things are that work in marketing to understand what works on social too because obviously the landscape has changed a ton but uh you know the more things change the more they stay the same too i i think that having that grounding in marketing pays incredible dividends in this job Being able to be creative is a nice, you know, bonus to it too, but in order to, you know, meet the needs of these sponsors that are paying millions of dollars to have their name associated with your team, to be able to be the public face of this team, and, and, you know, especially working for such a legendary owner like Jack, who's won 324 races in NASCAR, he's, you know, he's been winning NASCAR races since before I was born. That's a big role to step into, and, and it's one that you have to appreciate the levity of, I think, if you're going to do a good job.
0: I'll close with this. So, um, in the Talladega Media Center, I had moved closer to the TV, and I ended up sitting across from you and Kevin, who you mentioned are your bosses, is your boss. And um, I saw that it looked like Ricky was going to win, and so I took my uh, eyes off the TV and I watched your two faces as he crossed the finish line. So, I'm curious, as somebody, who, you know, didn't grow up in the sport and now are, are in it and part of the team. What was that experience like for you going to Victory Lane and, and being part of the celebration? Obviously still balancing having to do your job in, in a very uh, a sort of high-pressure moment.
1: Man, that was so cool. That, so, like I said, I've been with the team two years. So that was the first cup win that we've had uh, since I've been there and we had won two Xfinity races before Chris Busher in Iowa and Chris Busher in Dover in 2015. And of course we we had the Xfinity championship. So I thank God I at least knew a little bit how Victory Lane works <laughs> cuz otherwise man, that's a lot that you have to get done right away. But you said, I mean, especially to play track like that and you have a, a close finish like that, there's a lot going through your head and you're trying to, you know, balance how just you know your heart's beating out of your chest at a place like that uh, I think I put on my own personal account I had stopped chewing my fingernails it's been like something that I've struggled with my whole life and I had gone two months totally clean in that race I chewed them all down to the nubs <laughs> just um, but a lot of that planning that you put in and, and being re- I mean, we have an entire you know win plan right now like half a book worth of stuff that we're going to do from a PR side from a social side from a sponsor relations side when we win a race i mean we have a plan for what's going to happen and uh, you know like any good plan about 20 to 30 percent of it is not going to (laughs) happen at all and so you have to you know you're running around trying to balance you know so like you said you're watching us in the media center because at talladega that's our best place to figure out what's going on we actually have some reception so i had you know i hate to jinx stuff but you, you have a a Tweet written out for when they cross the line which in our case was just hashtag parked it you know because because of Ricky's best friend Brian Clawson and how much that meant to him uh, so I hit send on that and then you're sprinting out because you're trying to catch you know a video of the burnout or a video of the crew celebrating at the pit box. So you've got about 20 different things that you wanna get done, so you gotta do that. Then you gotta run to victory lane where probably your cell phone's barely gonna work and you're gonna drain about 80% of the battery in 20 minutes anyways, because you're trying to do, okay, do I do a Facebook Live? Do I do a Periscope? Well, if I'm doing Facebook Live, I can't tweet, too. Kevin, I need you to tweet something. I need someone else to put something on Instagram. So you're, you're trying to grab all hands on deck, anyone who has access to this stuff, and do as many different things as possible. So actually, uh, Kevin was doing the Facebook Live there so I could tweet. His phone locked up, like completely locked up. We lost the feed. Oh so gosh. we had to grab... Uh, An account manager the guy who works with with Trevor's accounts we had to grab his phone log in so I'm doing from my phone there's no cell phone reception so I'm you know passing him my phone so he can run into the media center and get this stuff out while I take more pictures and then man is just such chaos but it's fun it's you uh, and what you come to realize too is that you know you have this plan for what's gonna work, but it really is just, it's so in the moment. Things change so fast. Um, and that's something you learn too from, from watching other, other sports, other accounts. Um, I actually, I meant to mention this earlier. I take a lot of my cues from NBA teams. I think that NBA does the absolute best job of social media, in sports, in the whole world. Um, actually, uh, cricket does a good job too, but I don't know if people are gonna be that interested in listening to me talk about the uh, West Indies cricket team Twitter account. Um, But the NBA does such a good job, especially like the Atlanta Hawks, the Charlotte Hornets. They have these great creative people. And so you can see what works for them there and sort of apply it to what you do. And so I think with that Talladega, we had such an emotional response on our account, such an excited one. And it was probably a little over the top, but you sort of take that from watching these other teams who do that. And you realize, wow, you know, that's. Maybe when you're trying to sit down at a whiteboard and plan out what you're going to do, you think of the most professional way to handle it, you know, the most straightforward way. But then you watch some other teams do something, you know, sometimes people want emotion, yeah. you know, because if you try and put yourself in the seat of the fans of Roush, that's how they felt. Oh, the first time we'd been to victory lane in three years, that's what those people have been waiting for. People who are Ricky Stenhouse fans have never seen him in Cup victory lane. You got to put yourself in their shoes because that's I
0: mean,
1: that's what it's all about that that's who you're 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 marketing yourself to
0: well thank you so much for all your time and some really fantastic insight and uh, appreciate you joining us Oh, thank you had a great time so there you have it it's a social spotlight with jackson martin and really appreciate him taking so much time typically i try to not take more than 15 minutes of our guest time on these podcasts, because everybody's busy at the racetrack and that's where I, I do most of these. Um, but I was able to run a little bit longer with Jackson because it was so good. I just got in such a flow. I didn't really want to um, cut it short or anything. So, hope you enjoyed that. Of course, um, I will have a post race podcast after the Coke Zero 0400 Saturday night. We hope it's Saturday night. I um, hope the rain holds off, even though it's Florida in the summertime. So, that may be a dicey proposition. But definitely glad to be here at Daytona International Speedway after traveling all the way across the country on Wednesday from Portland, Oregon. Um, It was an expensive flight, but I appreciate the patron support from my Patreon page because otherwise I would not have been able to make it out to this race. So if you are interested in becoming a patron of the podcast or the website jeffgluck.com, you can go to patreon.com slash jeff underscore gluck, G-L-U-C-K, and, uh, help get me to more races. Um, I will be skipping Kentucky speedway next week. And then my schedule is TBA after that, just trying to find some, uh, good deals on flights and things like that. So, uh, until Saturday night, thanks for listening and talk to you next time on the untitled Jeff Gluck podcast.